Greetings guys, welcome to the second episode of Talking Hollywood with Yaz and Friends. I'm your host Mr. Yaz Matthew and joining me today is the nanobiologist. Hello, thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome, Nano. So anyhow, so today actually we'll be talking about some stuff now. Uh, Nano will be give us his quick thoughts on it chapter two. And we'll also be talking about the news that Joker winning the big prize at the Venus Film Festival. And also the other news with the crazy rich Asian you know, writer Sally controversy. So We'll begin now with the movie reviews. Uh, so, Nano, um, we, we originally we were going to give both our, you know, non-spoiler thoughts for it, Chapter 2. And unfortunately, today I wasn't able, you know, to go see the film. But you were able to see the film. Can you give us uh, your quick thoughts on the film and make it spoiler-free? Yeah, absolutely. I actually just got back from seeing it. Literally five minutes ago, I walked to the door. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a pretty good sequel. But the best way I can phrase it is... It is a more serious cabin in the woods, especially uh-huh. with the tone and comedy aspects, the actors. It felt a lot more like cabin in the woods and less horror than the first movie did. Mm-hmm. But it it kept on referencing the first one. It brought the kid actors back a lot, too. And I think everybody really pitched in. But overall, it felt like Bill Hader and James McAvoy really stole the show in anything they did on mm-hmm. screen. All right. Also, you mentioned. Uh, um, I heard some people they're saying that they felt like there were some scenes that not and they're not supposed to be funny. They were laughing. Was it funny? In some scenes that weren't supposed to be funny. Yeah, like I said, Bill Hader really stole the show, but with his comedy, mm-hmm. um, he even said in interviews beforehand that he couldn't help but laugh in some of the intense scenes. And I felt like a lot of it was just improv and him reacting to what was going on in front of him. Mm-hmm. And his natural state is funny, and him doing that and some of the others chipping in too made some of the more tense things a lot more lighthearted, which is kind of unnerving being in a horror film and mm-hmm. feeling like you're laughing instead of being tense and scared. Uh, and also, you were talking about Bill Hader. I've been think this thing, this thing has been in my mind like today. Uh, I've been thinking like if they made a Plastic Man movie, which I'm last time I heard, I think they are in in it's in the work. I want to see Bill Hader play Plastic Man. I haven't really heard of Plastic Man, so I can't add too much to that. It's just like Mr. Fantastic. Okay. But for DC. Yeah, I think Bill seems like he has a great range, especially after doing It Chapter 2 and this being his first breakthrough to horror. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, there's also comedy like Ant-Man. I think if you saw Ant-Man, you would think you would have an idea. Yeah. Um, Bill can definitely add comedy to anything he's in. I think he was great on SNL and uh, Barry, but seeing him in horror, he definitely tried to bring more a little bit of comedy into a suspenseful and intense movie. Mm. All right. Um, last thing, last thing I'll say about it, Chapter Two, too. Mm-hmm. Um, the CGI was a little worse in the first movie. Oh. They relied a little too much on CGI and the scares with it. While the first one, the CGI felt a, little, a lot more natural. Like when you think back and you think of the film reel running and them seeing Pennywise in the background of that film, that was terrifying. 
Mm-hmm. And this one, they rely a little too much on CGI animations and things popping out where it just felt like it was a little less scary than the first one. Uh, you also you just brought something. You said CGI. I, I heard that for this film, for the kid actors, they use, you know, de-aging. Did it felt like, how was the de-aging? I didn't notice it at all. I thought they filmed it just after or during filming of It Chapter One. Ah, uh. it felt completely natural. But unless they grew up a little bit during filming, which is entirely possible with what the age of these kids were. I mean, the kid who played Eddie in the first movie, he's in Shazam. You still have different he looked. Yeah, he definitely grew up. But again, it felt a lot like they continued filming after finishing Chapter One. Like they got the rest of the scenes they needed for Chapter Two then and there. All right, but if they if they de-age, then it didn't. They did a great job with it. And did you know that the guy who played the adult Mike is the old the Old Spice commercial guy? Oh, really? Yeah, they talked about it, and you know, and on kind of funny on screencast. Oh, I must have missed that. That's but actually great. It was like, okay, why does the guy who plays Adult Mike looks film and Nick was like, oh, that's why he's from. He's the Old Spice commercial guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's also great in being a series role too. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's a, he's a good actor. He, I I did not like the show called Shadowhunter. I saw an episode. He was good in it. I haven't seen Shadowhunter either yet. Mm. I'm sorry. I'm a little behind on some current TV shows and whatnot. I, I I've, like my list is growing longer and longer. It's a YA you know, TV show from ABC, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Okay. So anyhow, uh, okay. Now we now we'll, thank you for your for your quick non spoiler review of it. So now we'll move on to the. And to the big news, we start with the movies. So originally, the big one we we're gonna talk about was first was the research agent salary dispute, but this new one actually broke a few like minutes um before the show, which is that um there's a as we probably know a Joker got screened at the Venice Film Festival and got positive reviews, and there was also in the, some backlash because people saying oh it felt like they were glorifying like Joker in the film, but now the news came out that um, Joker actually won the big award at the Venice. Film festival. Well, this is just awesome and keeps on adding to the praise that Joker is getting. And, and seeing the first couple that. trailers. Oh, okay, continue, sorry, continue. I'm sorry. Well, um, just saying that everybody, when seeing the first couple trailers, nobody was really expecting this to be good, especially with the history of DC movies I've had recently. Mm-hmm. But seeing how it's gotten amazing reviews, now it's winning awards at these great film festivals. It's definitely quickly becoming one of the must-watch movies. Uh-huh. Now, actually, what really makes it interesting is that the last previous winners were actually Roma and The Shape of Water. Now, Roma got... Now, they both won an Oscar, and the big thing was The Shape of Water won the Best Picture. So we're looking at, you know, Best Picture nomination now. Mm-hmm. This could be a great movie to be one of the very few um, comic book movies to ever win an award. Yeah, I feel like they should have also given it to Logan. Yeah, Logan got robbed, mm-hmm. but Black Panther won a lot of awards too. And also in the production it, team. Yeah, it definitely deserved it though. Uh huh. Yes, it did. But I can't wait to see this movie, especially after seeing all the praise and all the awards it's winning already. And the fact that it looks like Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, two of my favorite Scorsese films. Hmm. I also I like that Nick said that if it, if I see one single hint of Departed, I'm going to hate this film. <laughs> <laughs> he has an unnatural hate towards the Departed. 
I mean, I saw, but I don't think it's it, for me. I saw, but it's it's a good film. But I feel like Scorsese should have won the Oscar for his previous films. Mm-hmm. Because I actually liked what he did with Raging Bull at Taxi Driver and Goodfellas at Casino also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially Goodfellas. Uh huh. All right. Uh, so now the second news actually is the one like that was the big topic that everyone was talking about the. Adele, um, uh, the, who, who was one of the co-writers for Crazy Rich Asian, has left the sequel. And the reason is because, you know, it turned out that she was getting paid less than her co-writer. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Peter Chiarelli. How might I mispronounce his name? So anyhow, so the story Chiarelli. was... Maybe. So uh, what happened, Adele, now, she's saying that, apparently she, the reporter is saying that, the, that he was getting paid about 800 to 1 million, while she was getting paid about, you know, a hundred and ten thousand. Now, the one point that the reason they're doing this is because they're saying that Peter is more experienced than her. But however, if you look at Peter, you know, a resume, he only wrote two films, The Proposal and Now You See Me Too. Adele, on the other mm-hmm. hand, this is actually, Christian's aim was actually her first movie, but if you look at the resume, she has written like, you know, for multiple TV shows, and if I'm not mistaken, one of them, I think, is Grey's Anatomy, who's actually now one of the longest-running medical show on TV. And this is just sad that uh-huh. she's getting paid much less. I can see the argument for experience, but with her background in TV, which... They're both actually, they're all... not that big experience. I mean, you can see, like, you're like, oh, they're both equal, their experience. Yeah, but you sometimes see in movies and TVs where people moving between either... It seems like they're entering just a whole new world. All their past experiences are kind of disregarded unless they were huge, huge, huge hits. Like Grey's Anatomy was big, mm-hmm. but it sounds like they just are not really considering that in her resume and are just looking at her movie experience or maybe even comedy and romantic experience as well. Mm-hmm. Also, but that. I'll go ahead sorry. And continue, sorry. Well, just saying that this huge pay raise, pay difference only because of they're trying to tout as experience is bullshit. And mm-hmm. she's right to stand up. And uh-huh. even though the co her co-writer tried to do the right thing by giving her part of his pay, it was still the message from the studios that she was going to get paid less no matter what. And I'm glad that she's standing her ground and taking it and just leaving for this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because also, if, if let's say if that was a different example, let's say her co-writer, let's say wasn't Peter, it was someone like maybe Aaron Sorkin. You can make the argument because Aaron Sorkin is like one of the biggest, you know, writers in Hollywood, and he's an Oscar winner. Yeah, exactly. Because this it's, is you can make the argument that it's an experience because that guy is a more talented writer than her. But here, especially an award winner, award winners uh-huh. they definitely earn their right to get paid mm-hmm. more, and they that's actually part of their bargaining chips is they want awards so they deserve more money. But if it's one or two movies, then a seven hundred thousand difference. All, all the money in the world, Richard's salary. Remember, with Mark Brooks was getting paid, I think more than Michelle Williams. Yeah, that was that was a thing was worse because, or even in Marvel movies, with uh, ScarJo got getting paid a lot less than the other actors, and Robert Downey Jr. getting paid a ton. But everybody else was making. That was one of the I think it was that I don't know what porn. I forgot that guy's name, Eric Pornheimer. I forgot his name because he didn't see like like female cats like their their density for the Marvel. Because if you remember, uh, Iron Man three, the villain was supposed to be like the woman who had the relationship with uh, you know Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. 
but he told yeah. them to change it because females do not sell toys. That's yeah, why you saw I, no Black Widow toys at that time. And now, and now they're doing it right by uh, bringing in so many great actors and mm-hmm. so many amazing female roles from Marvel. And a lot of their TV shows that are coming out next year on Disney Plus are female leads. Uh-huh. Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, they are going to kill it when they show. And they're bringing that extra demographic as well. But yeah, all the history showing that it clearly is not experiencing, even though they can try and tout it, it's everybody else knows that it's not that. Mm-hmm. All right. So now next up, we're going to take this news article and put them together to one news because both of them involves uh, screenwriter Akifa Goldsman. So the first one is actually now his work, his teaming with Will Smith for a, for a, for a movie adaptation of the novel Brilliance. And which has been described as actually it's like a word where one percent of the children are born with powerful gift. And then Wilson's <clears> like he plays um he's like a federal agent who actually whose job is to track down and and then limit anyone who actually we, I mean, let's just read it from the beginning. So the premise is is if one percent of the world's children were born with powerful gifts, how would society adapt to them? The brain's novel trilogy is set in a future where none Neurotypical people dominated by society as twists or abnorms are threatening the status quo of a normal population with their unique gift. They're officially labeled as brilliant and are carefully tracked by the government. So basically, it's like Will Smith will be playing like an agent who's supposed to track down anyone with the gift who uses like for bad. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not a new idea, but the fact we got Will Smith, it makes me interesting about it. It reminds me a lot of him being in, oh, what was that movie where he was a superhero? Hancock? It came out, yeah, it sounds a lot like that. And him coming back into the superhero world is going to be really interesting to see. Especially this um, this premise. Man? Sorry? Oh, no, I thought you would go ahead and continue. Just saying that this premise is so interesting. It's been huge with My Hero Academia having a similar presence, but a premise, but with 80% of the population having powers. And then also the boys coming out and being a huge uh-huh. hit too. This, I think, is Where the boys should... is the best superhero TV show on right now. The boys. I I loved it. It was great. It showed a dark side to superheroes, which you don't really see mm-hmm. unless they're a supervillain. So just saying that it's going to be similar to the boys, but movie version, it's going to be great. I can't wait to see this. Now I want to read the book, too. All right. So then there was also news that he's also collaborating with Tom Hanks for... Apologize for my cell phone. So, and, okay, so, okay, so Akiva Kosman is also working on another film with Tom Hanks, which is actually going to be an adaptation of uh, Major Matt Milson, which is actually a toy from Mattel that came, that was in the 1960. Have you heard about this toy, Major Matt Mason? No, I haven't. It was definitely way before my time, and I don't know a lot of the older Mattel toys. Apparently, the character Major Matt Mason is actually an astronaut who lives and works on the moon. Hmm. So basically, you know, we got Tom Hanks now. This is, I think, what because it would be the closest we might get for Tom Hanks being in a, maybe a superhero movie. Yeah, or another science role, which just him being in the Da Vinci Code and having that uh, background of him trying to find I the truth. He actually wrote the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. And that's I see that on your notes, too. Mm-hmm. So that history of trying to make a very smart movie with Tom Hanks, which we know can 
kill those roles. Again, it's going to be a, this uh, screenwriter's going places still. His career's taking off again. He's an established screenwriter. I mean, he won an Oscar, I think, for A Beautiful Mind. Also, another note, Akiva also is the writer of Batman and Robin. Oh, <laughs> a classic. At least he wrote, I think I think he wrote A Beautiful Mind after Batman and Roman. So there's a little bit of redemption for him. Yeah. And these two movies definitely seem like they would be great uh, upswings for him. Mm-hmm. All right. So now this is actually the second one. Is actually, I, I thought maybe it won't happen, but it looks like it's happening. Uh, Tomb Raider 2. They got a director and a release date. So the director... Well, oh, go ahead, continue. Well, just saying that it's there's still time. A lot of movies get directors and release dates well ahead of schedule, and we've seen time and again that that means nothing until even when they begin filming, it's mm-hmm. still questionable. But I did not expect Tomb Raider to get a sequel from hearing all the reviews. It's what people like the film. I mean, they didn't hate it, but they also say it's not a perfect film. I haven't seen it yet, but from what I've heard, it's nothing like the originals. They made it From look like you know, I think the current, like, you know, the reboot of the, of the games. Yeah, and those games are fun. Mm-hmm. Definitely a great premise for Laura being her origins. And it's hard to bring that onto the movie screen with how interactive those games were. And you really living through her emotions. All right, so anyhow, like, the director is going to be Ben Whitley. If you don't know him, he's the guy who directed High Rise and Free Fire. Okay. Because the original it was actually a European director's name was Roar Uthog, and that was the first Terminator was actually his, Amer- his English debut film. The first Terminator. Yes, it was a director named Roar Uthog. He's I don't know I think he's a Norwegian director if I'm not mistaken. He did a great job with his debut in the U.S. Well, I mean, people say his direction was good. I mean. Yeah. All right. So. Then next one was actually, if you remember, the Little Mermaid. Harry Styles was reportedly was he's being like the was the front runner to play the prince in Little Mermaid. So now I, mm-hmm. he, and then the report came out that you know he passed on the role, and we and he the interview like he was with the the mag- magazine The Face, and I took this from THR. They asked him about the role. He said that yes, he was discussed for the role of the prince, but he passed on because he wanted to focus mostly on on his music. I did not also include in, in the note, but he was also asked about because he was also one of the front runners for Elvis, and even said, says I was also approached for it, but he said it was also a difficult for him because Alfred was a, for him as a role model, but he had also to say no to the project. It makes sense for his career, um, him staying with music for a while. Some people made the change, but doing it so early on a career could be detrimental to him. His first movie was with Christopher Nolan. Oh, was it? What movie was he in? Dunkirk. He was one of the soldiers. That's right. But was he one of the main soldiers? Well, I mean, there was... I don't think there was a main cast. You know, it was like the two British. Okay. During the whole... I mean, spoiler for Dunkirk, the two British who's, who are at the end of the, in the train, they're reading the newspaper. It was one of them. Mm. The other one was the guy from Bandersnatch. Being a side character, though, and then moving to the main character role and being a focus with that change, that seems like it could be a major either hit or boost to his career. But him just wanting to stick with music, I'm fine with that. And it seemed like a lot of these were just rumors or fans wanting him to be Prince Eric. Mm-hmm. 
in this already great cast so far. Yep. Um, so it's a shame that he's passing on this role, but it's I can see it only being good for his career for now until he really goes through the point where he wants to do both or moves just into movies. Okay. So now the next one we got the news uh, is for actually Jennifer Kent. I, she's about to close the deal with Amazon for her next film, Alice and Frida Forever. Uh, so if you don't know who Jennifer Kent is, she's an Australian director. She directed at the horror film The Babatok and, and she also has a movie coming out called The Nightingale. And now this film that she's doing uh, is apparently looks like it's based on a true story about two teenage girls, Alice Mitchell and Frida Ward, that fell deeply in love, but because of because of jealousy and outside forces, the the romance is turned into like an unstable obsession, and in the end, it turns out to be a crime story that captivated the U.S. for a time. Sounds like a very interesting premise, and. It could be good right now, especially with how the internet is and how obsessed. That's actually so obsessive. one thing I mentioned. It's actually set in in eighteen nineties Memphis. The story, it's not a modern day. Oh. Thing. it's a period drama. I mean, I'm always up for period pieces, and again, this premise sounds very interesting. Because this story is given... about like the, it talks about LGBT stuff. Because at the period time, we know how the LGBT are now portrayed and how the prejudice yes. and stuff. Because this looks like especially it's during that time, it's gonna definitely show. I hope they stick to what that period was and how they portray people, because I mean, that's uh, the one way they. I, like, they I think can do they it might right. because one of the producers is Greg Berlanti. If you don't know him, he's actually the creator and the producer of the Arrow show and Riverdale. And this show seems to talk did that very well, possibly about the LGBT stuff. Mm-hmm. I think they're gonna do it very well. Yeah, I hope so because. You have to do this well, given the period and the topics. You can only do this well, or else you will be lambasted by several communities. Uh huh. All right. So then we got the news. Uh, Pete Davidson. Uh, he's actually his movie, uh, Big Time Adolescence, got picked up by Hulu. This has actually been discussed. Going to be a coming of age story about like a teenage boy who actually befriends uh, Pete's character. And apparently the the movie's beginning very well received at Sundance and it has a ninety percent on Rotten Tomato as far as I checked. And Pete has been getting positive reviews for his performance in this one. That's awesome. Do you, have you ever watched Pete Davidson on SNL? Uh not all of it. And also I did not put this in the casting is apparently James Gunn is is in talk with him for a cameo in Suicide Squad two. Because I did not put it because well, it's currently now just a rumor, not actually, you know, a confirmation from. Yeah, but I'm so glad that Pete Davidson's career is taking off again. He's taken lots of hits for his very edgy jokes. And also he um, had the public life, what happened with his breakup with Ariana Grande. Yeah, that was a shame. And he he kept on getting hit after hit for a while. And he's been a huge advocate for mental health. Mm-hmm. He talks about he makes jokes about his own mental health a lot in a very dark light. He puts a lot of dark spins on jokes, mm-hmm. but it's so great to see, her, his, see his career take off even more from SNL and his stand-up comedy oh, to right. be on the big screen like a lot of his uh, co-stars are, too. Is he still with SNL or did he left? He, as far as I'm aware, he's still with them. Because I know Leslie Jones is leaving. 
Yeah, and that's going to be a shame to see her go, but I think Pete, D- Pete Davidson is still sticking with them for a while. Mm-hmm. All right. So then we also got uh, some movies, small to go quick through it, uh, is that uh, Russell Crowe, won his movie, uh, True History of the Kelly Gang, got picked up by IFC. Now, this is actually is based on uh, uh, the... Um, then the Nit Kelly gang, which was actually pistol like their outlaws in Australia, and it, the, what got me is that it has cast to include Russell Crowe and Nicholas Sota and Charlie Hannah. And the guy who plays Kelly in in the movie, he's actually is going to be in Sam Mendes' next film, nineteen seventeen. Hmm. Well, this was actually was there was a movie about him, but it had uh, Heath Ledger and Orlando Bloom in it, but I have not seen it. Okay. What's interesting about this film is because uh, the film's director, uh, Justin Kurzer, now, most people didn't know for this Assassin's Creed movie, but before that, he did the Macbeth film with Michael Fassbender, which I actually liked. Yeah, me too. You saw, the, you saw that Macbeth film? I believe so. It's Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender and uh, Marion Cotillard, too, they were in it as Macbeth and his yeah. wife. Yeah, I have seen that. And it was definitely one of the better uh, Shakespeare adaptations. But I love anything that Russell Crowe is in, so I'll go see this one. And also, I hope this film, because I'm seeing positive reviews, so it'll be good for him, because for the director, especially after Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a great, hopefully a good return for his career, even though I liked the Assassin's Creed film. You did? A lot of people didn't. Because I did not saw it, because I heard like people say it wasn't like the games. Because it focused, I think, on the present than the past. They tried to do a good mix of both, and the way they showed the animus was very interesting. That's one but thing I, I also... liked it from the trailer, the animus. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I think it was better than what they would have done if it was trying to stay too true to the games with them laying down and wearing a face mask, but mm-hmm. them being so interactive and seeing things in a mist instead of them just laying there and living through their memories. It was a great spin on the Emmys. All right. But again, so, I, I liked the film, but a lot of people didn't, sadly. That's good. Because I think that this movie, I think, because it's uh, coming from IFC, I don't think it will get a lot, lots of audience, but I hope people see it and they give the director a chance. Yeah. Because for me, I, I don't like when I see good directors, like they don't get a chance because of uh, one bad Public film. spotlight. Hmm? Yeah. He, he deserves a second chance in the public oh. spotlight. And also, Hollywood loves a good comeback story. Now, but, yeah, that's true. Who was it now? Because people are excited to see Eddie Murphy come back with Dolomite. Back again, better than ever. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now, actually, we, now we're gonna move to some TV news of the week. Uh, the first one: uh, Wonder Woman's director has signed a TV deal with Netflix. Now, as we mentioned that before, this is only for TV, for what I've read. Um, the, the movie stuff means it won't affect her. I mean, she can't do the Wonder Woman movies. It won't affect her this, because it's only for TV, for what I've read. And apparently, is the deal is actually is valued about $10 million over three years. Netflix is now good. It's like, I think, their second biggest you know, get after, what was it, the Benioff and Wise, the creators of Games of Thrones. Hmm. Well, good. They need some good gets, especially in their directorial department, to help build that catalog before Disney Plus comes out and 
Apple TV. They just need to build their portfolio again with better and better um, TV shows because right now they're just putting out a ton of stuff and hoping that a couple items stick to keep people around. Mm-hmm. Yes, basically right now because there's a lot of people like because if you notice that Netflix is canceling a lot of shows. A lot of fan favorite shows too. Yeah, I mean, it's like maybe for free season and stuff. Because my biggest criticism about Netflix is that they don't market their shows very well. Sometimes, like, wait, it came out? Because I didn't know that this show just came out. Yeah. They only market those top, top shows. Like House of Cards, Stranger Things. Those things get all the marketing budget. While the others, they just show up or maybe get a trailer or two here and there. All right. But with Patty Jenkins, hopefully her stuff gets the top budget marketing push. I thought that maybe she might stay with Warner Bros. because now they have the HBO Max. Yeah. But I don't see that being as much of a competitor to Netflix as Disney Plus and Apple TV are. Well, I mean, Warner Bros., I mean, they have it, the HBO Max has the Warner Bros. movies and TV show and, and HBO because that's a big library. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I still feel like in the conversations, that one is not nearly as high up on people's lists on things to get. It might be a secondary thing as an addition. For me, if it was it feel- I might take the HBO Max over Disney because of the HBO and the DC, and the DC shows. Yeah. But I, I, and great for you for wanting to get that. I'm not attracted to it at all, though. And also for the Disney more- Plus, most of the Disney films, I see them at theaters. The Marvel and the Star Wars. Especially mm-hmm. for the Mandalorian, because I'm waiting to see how this turns out to be. Yeah. Alright, so the second news item from the TV said uh, Jordan Gordon Levitt is back and for the TV show he's doing now this time for Apple. He'll be writing and directing and starring in the TV show Mr. Korma, which is described as going to be about, you know, uh, the life of a public school teacher. This is actually coming from Apple, which is also having their own also streaming service with Apple Plus. Yeah. Jordan Joseph Gordon Levitt. I haven't heard too much of his writing and directing career. He did a film called Don John, if I'm not mistaken, and he was supposed to, to direct the Sandman movie before that was scrapped and made into a TV show for Netflix. Okay. And Apple, I mean, they can they can throw money at him, and if he he will get his way. You got Spielberg. Point. I mean, Reese Witherspoon, and if I'm mistaken, J.J. Abrams also. Yeah, and they have that other show too with. Uh, Steve Carell. Oh, this I think with the Reese Witherspoon, the morning show. You saw that trailer, right? And I can't wait for it. Is that thing it looks the funny. Show, the, thing, the one that looks good of all the Apple shows. Yeah, I agree. That seems like it's going to be the big mm-hmm. attractor to the platform for now. But good for Apple mm-hmm. trying to build out their catalog too. Everybody's trying to build out their studios. Mm-hmm. All right, so next up, we got uh, it's actually a quick story. I want to go for it. Uh, Netflix is ending the long Gracie and Gracie and Frankie with season seven, and this is actually going to be the longest running show to date with about ninety four episodes. Have you watched this show, Gracie and Frankie? I have not. That is not my type of show. It stars Jen Fonda and Lily Tomlin, like two like women to discover that their husbands are are actually gay and they, they love each other. 
Well, that's awesome that it got a great run, and it seems like they are ending it at a place that they love. Mm-hmm. They're happy to end it too. Yeah, I mean, so, seven season. They had a great run. Yeah, and that's all a TV show can really ask for. Mm-hmm. Okay, so next one is also another Netflix stuff. So if you, I don't know if you know because uh, people were noticing uh, that the great British baking show and Rhythm Plus Flow has been they've been getting on weekly instead of like all of them at once the episodes. And Netflix basically they respond this saying, "Oh no, this is just something we're trying, and it's not. It won't be for all of the shows." And for me, this is actually it's not a surprise because I I live you know outside of the U.S. and Star Trek Discovery it gets released weekly on on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It, I'm okay with them going weekly shows. It seems like a great business model with also, them trying to keep people around longer. Also, they mentioned like the competition. One of them is because they wanted to, to keep you know, the identity of the winner of, of the of the competition show, Rhythm uh, Plus Flow, a secret. Yeah, they're it trying to make stuff it like more... this, or maybe stuff like you know they want to avoid spoilers. Yeah, especially with competition shows like Great British Baking Show, it's creating that conversation with your friends mm-hmm. instead of saying, "Hey, I'll talk to you about it when you catch up to these episodes." Or people trying to limit their conversations or just watching it years later. But releasing it in that type of fashion, it keeps the conversation going and Netflix's name in the conversations too. And also, someone, I remember hearing someone saying that they have to make Netflix, he believed that they should go to this model because this way maybe they can, you know, they can make more people to see their shows. Like, you know, like how Games of Thrones, every week people are watching, a sh- every week they're watching an episode and next week it's like, well, what's going to happen next week? Then they have to tune in. It'll be a better yeah. for them. There's that. It, yeah, they're keeping people on subscription longer, and it's oh. going to keep people to look at other shows too. Mm-hmm. Because when you're staying there for eight hours, you're going to turn it off at the end. You're not going to say, oh, hey, what do I want to watch now? But when you're only watch, sitting there for 45 minutes to an hour and you're done, you want to move on to something else too to fill up that time that you would have spent binging it all. All right. So now the next story is that uh, Greg Berlanti and his and the Supergirl showrunners Jessica Quala and Robert Robner are developing a, a TV show for NBC. The show is going to be called Tripica, which is based on a Korean series called Sky Cash Castle. Apparently, the show is actually is described as a sophisticated family drama set in New York, in the most expensive zip code, and the drama will explore the inner life of a group of families and the length they will go to ensure their children succeed. Regardless of the cost, this actually you know, sounds. I, I have not seen the show on Netflix, but it's going to be a little bit different. It's called I don't know if you saw. It's called Elite. Have you seen it on Netflix? No, I haven't. It's a Spanish show. It's like two, like three public students. They get picked to to go to a, you know a private, like one of the prestigious private school, and apparently something happens, and and the show is like. Uh, the, the stuff that happens I have not finished watching the show because I don't want you know spoil it for you also do you recommend it uh, I've only seen like you know one episode still I have I will if you want a good Spanish show I would recommend watching Money Heist okay right, so, uh, for me this but one, I love some thing is because Greg Berlanti and Berlanti has been doing a great job with the TV especially with the CW shows mm-hmm. so them adding another show but a different premise is going to be interesting, and I love good this backstabbing. This is going to be for NBC, not the CW. Yeah. So he's expanding his uh, resume right now. Yeah. Because he but has, he loves think, the drama. 
because he's actually you know he has a con- this is actually gonna be a Warner Bros. produced show for NBC because he has I think a, a like how we mentioned Perry Jenkins a deal with Netflix for the TV department he has a deal for Warner Bros. for the TV department. And I think when yeah, he's taken his for movies he has a with Fox. This means that he's now with Disney, but I don't know if he is still with, with them or not. I don't know. Okay. But him just expanding out and doing more things is only great for his career, unless this somehow bombs. I mean, he did have some in the show that didn't work, but it, not everyone succeeds. No. Mm-hmm. It, only, it takes a couple of shows to really build out your resume, and you a lot of people have a lot of failures I mean, behind Right them. now, if you look at him, he does have the resume with the CW shows. And also, another and thing, also come- has the DC infrastructure with Titans and Doom Patrol. And Titans is doing fantastic. Everybody loves Titans. A lot of people still tune into CW shows with that huge catalog of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so now the next story we got is actually is um, A24 and Jennifer Fox are going to adapt the Earthsea novels into TV shows. Uh, this actually is come, the novels are based, um, now for one thing I understand, they, just, they are shopping around the cities, but they still have not, you know, found from last time I checked that network for that got the, from, to um, to produce the show. So because so for what I'm reading, it's been described like you know, the show has been always been it's like it's gonna be five. It's based on five novels and eight short stories. I mean, it describes like um, it's been like very much like Lord of the Rings, a fantasy series. And one thing got my attention is that the, they're saying that most of his characters are people of color, and this actually makes makes it very interesting. Hmm. Um. I don't have too much to add here, but more Lord fantasy, of the Rings is more good things. Yeah, exactly. More fantasy. Them building it out with a TV show and not just movies. It sounds like it's gonna be a great mix of Lord of the Rings and just the length of Game of Thrones. So them really being able to do- dive into the characters and build out this world. Mm-hmm. So I hope I'm. What network do you think they will pick up this show? Because we know that Amazon now have two series uh, with Wheel of Time and Lord of the Ring. I could see Amazon picking it up. Um, or even has a good relation with Hulu. Maybe Hulu will pick it up. Yeah, that's that's true. But we'll see what happens to Hulu though, with them being mostly owned by Disney. Yep, um, sorry, I forgot about. Hopefully, that. Disney. Hopefully Disney keeps up Hulu and their other department because Hulu also produces great shows too. I mean, they're moving, if I'm not mistaken, the Orville to Hulu. Yeah, and I think that's what they're going to use Hulu for is the box shows and stuff that doesn't fit with the Disney model. All right, so now we, we the next one we got uh, the Hawkeye TV show. They, they found, I think, a, a writer. Of, I think this might actually be the, the show now. The, the writer depict actually his name is Jonathan Eagle and he was actually a writer on Mad Men this is great Mar- Hawkeye is one of my favorite Marvel characters and them getting a great writer for him is hopefully going to show him in a better light than the movies did I mean the, the Avengers is going to feel like they portrayed him very well in the rest of the films the Endgame definitely did. Endgame showed him as much more charismatic and much more of a mm-hmm. badass like he is in the comics, while the other ones just showed him being there and 
barely helping out while everybody else carried the weight of the team. And, and I'm the hoping this, this Disney Plus series is going to be more based on the Matt Fraction run because Kate Bishop is going to be in it too. Mm-hmm. And I hope this show leads into them building Young Avengers and creating that new Avengers team with these younger people. I think Young Avengers Especially might be with- a Disney Plus show because Miss Marvel has a Disney Plus show also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with both these two, uh, Kate Bishop being on a Marvel TV show, Kate, um, Kamala Khan, Miss mm-hmm. Marvel being on a Marvel TV show, and Kamala already being confirmed to moving to the movies too, I really hope that they build out this Young Avengers universe and set up this next line of superheroes. Okay. They're great role models for teens. All right, so next also we got the news that Netflix is, is developing a NASCAR comedy series with Kevin James. So what do you think? Because Kevin James, because you know, I actually liked him and what was that uh, King of Comedy? He also had another mm-hmm. TV show, but I have not seen it. So what do you think? Kevin James has had a very interesting career. It's always gone up and down. Mostly with Adam like Sandler. With, him and Adam Sandler had a great relationship, but a lot they also have had a lot of bad movies too. And then him and Paul Blart, which was the first somehow, one was good. I, okay. I think his first one was good. I never watched them, but again, yeah, it's like you're saying they some were good, but they also were weird hits. I so this him last back, movie he did with Netflix, True Wars of International Assassin. Mm-hmm. You saw this movie? Sh- I haven't, but it just looked so weird, and I'm not my interest. It was supposed interest. to be a comedy. It wasn't even funny. I didn't feel left watching the film. And that's a great testament to Kevin James' career. He's had a lot of ups, huge highs, but also very low lows. So this one is just something that you might want to watch after the first couple episodes come out. I hope this one turns out to be good for him. Yeah. And this is one like, it might just be like an Adam Sandler get that Netflix had of just pumping movies out for him. Well, as far as TV shows, Sandler is not involved in the TV show. He's not producing it anything. But I was trying to equate it to Adam Sandler putting out a lot of movies on Netflix. He has to deal with them. Yeah. And this might be a Kevin James deal with Netflix to help help rebuild his career. All right. So next. TV shows. Okay. So next we got uh, Margaret Atwell's uh, novel, uh, The Testament, which is a sequel to The Handmaid's Tale, is is in the work by MGM and Hulu. So and the painter in the report that uh, they are actually in talk with the showrunner of, of the Handsmaid's Tale, uh, Bruce Miller, to incorporate this show as like a companion to it. And for what I'm reading is that the, the novel, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it will be published on September 10th, and it, it picks up more than 15 years after Alfred finally seen the Handsmaid's Tale in the novel, not the TV show, and it's been narrated by three female characters. Have you watched The Handmaid's Tale at all? Uh, uh, we don't have Hulu in the Middle East. It's only US only. See, this is one of my favorite TV shows out right now. The latest seasons have taken a very interesting twist to it. And um, the main character, Alfred J- uh, June, she's been having a very interesting take on her life and having interesting rule sets set to her life only. But I love the TV show. It's a great dystopian near future scenario. Also, one thing um, I want to ask, I heard people saying, is this true that there's lots of German cars in the show? They do, yeah. What car is it? Is it Mercedes or BMW? Mercedes. Uh, is, they are they sponsoring a the lot show? Of, 
They might be because their cars are everywhere. It's basically what anybody drives in. Like the, the Nissan and Quantum Break? The, the Nissan and Quantum Break. And also, if you think about Marvel, the, the Audis everywhere. Mm. The Audis are everywhere, but it's the same way, but with Mercedes. Uh, I'm actually and, biased because I like the Audi cars. So I'm okay with the Marvels. <laughs> me too. <laughs> but I love Handmaid's Tale and more Handmaid's Tale universe is only a good thing. It's a great dystopian near future. Show. I like actually the Nissan because of the Angry Joe review, Nissan out of 10. You saw his review of, of Quantum Break? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. Good. All right. So then then we also got the news that uh, this is us actor uh, Milo Ventimiglia. I think I must pronounce his last name. He'll be playing Evil Can Evil in a limited series for USA. I am intrigued by this because Evil Can Evil lived an interesting life. And I think I saw his son do some stunts once when I was a little kid. But this is a good and limited series thing. Just showing off this crazy guy's life. But I'm surprised that USA is picking it up and not HBO or AMC. Mm-hmm. Because um, because Universal is the one who's producing it. And Universal okay. is owned by Universal. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, remind me, is Evil Gennifer is the one that looks like Super Dave with the American flag and... Yeah. Oh, okay. He he did a lot of death-defying stunts. He was almost very suicidal with what he did. Uh-huh. But, again, I think this is a, good, a great example for a limited series about somebody's life. All right. So next we got uh, CBS are working with Monk's cre- Monk creator Andy Brickman on a, a police procedure called Einstein, which is based on a German show, where apparently is actually where the the show would be focused on uh, the great grandson of Albert Einstein, who actually you know he gets in trouble with the law, and then he actually ends up working with them to solve like their cases. So it's a more serious psych. That's why I think six sound. No, because it's from Monk's creators. There has to be comedy in it. Okay, I haven't watched too much of Monk, but it just sounds like a different version of Psych, and I love Psych, so I'll but definitely check this out. I know, but Einstein's great grandson. Mm-hmm. And that aspect is going to be interesting with him trying to live up to his great grandfather's <laughs> legacy too. So that's a couple interesting premises in this. All right, so next all is actually going now for the final news story, which is actually uh, Netflix is developing an animated TV series called Centaur World. This actually now is actually this is being coming from the in in house Netflix animation studio and it's based on a world where fantastical creatures sing and venture all around. It will center on a warhorse who is transported from her embedded world to a strange land inhabited by silly singing creatures of all species, shapes, and sizes. And apparently, um, the show will feature a mix of animation styles or original songs in each episode. Just reading the, what the people who are on this have done, they have a great history. And a lot of these shows have been successes, and even movies too, like How to Train Your Dragon 2 hmm. is one of my favorite DreamWorks movies ever created. All right. So... This sounds like it could really succeed, but also it sounds like it also bring in an odd audience, but 
kids shows are doing great on Netflix I feel too. Like this will be targeting like you know the new sh- the audience who like the new Shera and My Little Pony. Yeah, but kids shows on Netflix do great. I have not seen both, Nef- but I heard a good thing about it. I've yeah, I've only heard great things, and my friends keep on pushing me to watch it. But I know what I can recommend it for you, uh, Troll Hunter, because I saw the first half of season one. It's it's good. Oh, I I want to see that. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. You know, the sad mm-hmm. thing about it is because uh, the lead act uh, character is voiced by uh, I forgot the actor's name, Antoine Yelchin. Uh, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's so sad. I think because then they brought Emil Hirsch to took over the role. Mm-hmm. All right. So now, actually, that was all the news from the movies and TV shows. Now we we'll go to the casting news. Uh, now, the first one we got is that uh, Haley Atwell, whom you know her as Picky Carter from the Institute, has joined the cast of Mission Impossible Seven. Okay. Okay. I can see her fitting great into this universe. She will do great on the main team. And also, if so. you notice, it was announced on Instagram. He's like, he tweeted that he posted a photo of her and he, and he added her in the comments. Like, Christopher McQuarrie is like, Do you accept to be part of this movie? And she's like, And she responded, Yes, but I should warn you, I don't think direction will. F- huh. Yeah. And then we also got the Suicide Squad casting up. Peter Capaldi, the former I doctor love- who's joining the cast, but we don't know who is he playing. I love Peter Capaldi. So, he sounds he has a great dark humor and darkness in him that would be great for Suicide Squad. He was funny also in Paddington as the neighbor. Yeah, he, he has a great Nicole Kidman. <laughs> yeah, he has a great range, and him going into superhero movies like this is going to be great. That scene where he sees the first time he sees it, and then Lionel Richie song "Hello." Yeah. <laughs> that was. And he's also an Oscar winner. If you don't, if you don't remember, if you don't know. I didn't know that. I think he's actually for a short film. He, I think he directed. Okay. And then we also got the Snake Eyes, which is a GI Joe spinoff. Um, the Raid actor, the lead actor, who's actually in the Raid, uh, Aiko, Uwe's. Uh, uh, I think I pronounced his last name too. Uh, he's been cast as Snake Eyes master in the show, in the movie. Yeah, I haven't. I've only seen that first GI Joe movie, so. I don't have too much to add to this. And also, for Snake Eyes, if they casted the actor from Crazy Race Asian, uh, Henry Golding, the male lead. Okay. It was, was, oh. was also in, uh, what was it, that A Simple Favor also. Mm-hmm. And he also has a movie He's... with, uh, what's her name, uh, Amelia Clark, the Christmas movie. Yeah. But that's going to be playing. That, uh, that, guy's, that guy's great. Yeah, he, so. he's Snake Eyes. He's going to be Snake Eyes. And well, again, he's killed in every role he's been in so far. Yes. And so in the raid actor, he'll be playing his master. Okay. He also has a TV show on Netflix. I, I, I reviewed it in last week's episode called Wu Assassin, which he's actually good in it. The show is okay, but he's good in it. I, I want to check that out. I have it on my list. So basically, the quick thing about Wu Assassin is like, it's a good show, but my big my next, my biggest criticism is that it's the writing, and you will notice that the production is... Quality is not it's not that good, but I the production did not affect me. My my biggest question is only the writing. I hope not for because if they do season two, they, they improve the writing. Okay. All right, 
And then we also got uh, a new update uh, for Trial of Chicago 7, which is actually an Aaron Sorkin film. Uh, they casted on uh, succession actor Jeremy Strong. He'll be playing actually an, another social activist, an anti-war leader. Now, if you don't know, this actually will be appointed based on the 1969 trial of seven men charged by the government with conspiracy and, and inciting to riot. Now, if, because if you look at the cast, because the the men who are actually being who are playing, you know, the the seven men are actually going to be Eddie Redmond, Sasha Baron Cohen, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Now, Frank Langella, he's going to be the judge, while Mark Lance will be actually the lawyer who's actually defending them. That is a very interesting cast for this movie. Mm-hmm. Ever, yeah. It's also Aaron Sorkin, I, because this movie was like was in development hell for years. And right and, and and last week it was reported that Paramount picked up the project. Because it was also was originally going to be directed by Spielberg, but now Aaron will be now Sorkin will be directing it. Hmm. Well he's done great in social network. And he also so, Did you saw Molly's game? Because that was his first time directing. I have not. It's the one with Jessica Justin and Idris Elba. Okay. But seeing his history, though, with these adaptations on people's lives and historical events, mm-hmm. we've Steve seen that Jobs, he can do good. Moneyball, Social Network. And for Kurt yeah. Dama, he did A Few Good Men. So he has the experience in history to do this well. This is actually one of the greatest screenwriters working in Hollywood right now. Mm-hmm. And the fact that if you we so, talk we talked about great comebacks, people like in comeback story because if you remember when he was writing the West Wing, he got into he become a drug addict and he got fired from the West Wing and then he re- rehabilitated himself and then he wrote the Social Network and won an Oscar. Yeah, Hollywood loves comeback stories, like you said earlier. Right. So another one we also got. In the news that the Dick, there's a movie come out from Netflix called Dick, and they casted uh, Lady James, whom you know her from Cinderella and Baby Driver. Now this film Dick is actually it's based on a true story. It, fo- it focuses on a widow do- set during the turn of World War One. That she believes that her you know her land contains like paid riches, and it turns out when it turns out to be true, and then she turns her land into like an archaeological site. So the lead of the film will be played by Carrie Milligan, and and when Ray finds is in the film as he's like the archaeologist the, the who works with her, and Lily James I think she's going to be play one of Ray Fiennes' students in the film. Okay, that's a good cast. I love and also a Netflix film. One thing I will tell you. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely check it out then when it's on Netflix. But I'm also I love I'm a sucker for anything that's in World War Two. Or World War Two based. I'm actually now studying into about some books about World War One. I'm reading it. That, if you are looking to World War One stuff, look into the movie They Shall Not Grow Old. Oh, that's the Peter Jackson movie. I'm also can't wait it to is. see that Sam Mendes movie, uh, 1917. Yeah. That trailer looked good. Yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. Just any World Wars, I'm a huge sucker for, but. Looking into those, looking into anything, I can give yeah, because I actually I got either. some novels. A novel called The Guns of August, and mm-hmm. another one called A Word Undone: The Story of the Great War. Mm-hmm. If you want, I'll show you the. I tweet you the photo after the, the show of the books. That'd be great. Thank okay. you. So next, we also we got a movie coming out called Wild Mountain Theme, and it's reporting now it's going to star Emily Blunt, John Hamm, Christopher Walken, and Deborah Mo. 
Molloy. Now, one thing I was mention now, I, I did not mention his name because he was casted when when the movie was first announced with uh, Fifty Shades of Grey actor uh, Jamie Dornan. He'll be playing the lead. Uh, Christopher Walken will be playing his father. John Hamm will be playing his American cousin. Emily Plant will be playing his love interest, and Deborah Molloy she she's actually going to be playing Emily Blunt's mom. So basically, you know. The story will be about the uh, Jamie Dornan character. He's actually he works on, on on his on their land, and his father like he doesn't like him, and he even tells him that he's saying he's gonna give his land to John Ham, his American cousin. And then what happens is that uh, he he ends up meeting you know Emily Blunt's character, and these two are like you know they don't have a a good relationship, and then they start to fall in love with each other. So it's a very interesting love story. Mm-hmm, yes. It's actually come from the director of Dubbed. If you know, I don't know if you remember this movie. It's actually a movie of a, where in, it's a Mer Streep. She plays a nun who suspected the Pope is actually might have some relationship with one of the students. Mm-hmm. He's a talented you know, skin, is- skin writer. He won an Oscar for writing a, a movie with Cher. I forgot the movie's name. I can't remember that movie either. Yeah, because okay. So next, we also we got a Liam Neeson movie casting. The Minutemen. Uh, they casted a Viking act actors Catherine Winnick and Narcos actor John Paul Rava in the film. It's basically if you read the story, similar plot to this to the new Rambo movie where Liam Neeson he plays a rancher who actually he's trying to protect a young American boy who's fleeing from the cartel. This just sounds like a great. Liam Neeson action movie. It's Liam Neeson. Also, I guess it's if you saw like the new Rambo trail movie, that trail looks similar to similar to this movie, the plot. Yeah. All right. It so, also sounds a little bit different than um, Taken, like mm-hmm. the opposite Taken, him mm-hmm. defending. All right. So next, we also got some new update on the on the Halloween kill casting. Uh, it just announced that the uh, Kylie Richard, uh, she's actually the one of the people from the Little Housewives of Beverly Hills. And she'll be reprising her role from the original John Carpenter film as as uh, Lindsay Wallace. And she's actually one of the girls, if you remember the original John Carpenter movie, she was babysitting in the film. Mm-hmm. And then we also got the actor from The Hunting of Hell House, Robert Longstreet. He's been cast as as the bully from the orig- original you know, Carpenter film. Interesting. Well, the last Halloween film did great. Yes, so yes. I think the I highest keep in that direction. The highest grossing film. I mean, did well now because they're shooting this one and the next film back to back. Because they also brought Anthony Michael. He'll be playing the other kid who was Lori babysitting in the film. Okay. Well, I just hope to keep up the direction and keep Halloween good again. They bring in the same creative crew. I mean, for, from the first film. Not that's the carpet on that one, the last one that came out. And that's a smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. Because again, that movie was a big success for Halloween again. And also, it's Blumhouse, they don't spend a lot of money on their film. They don't, but Blumhouse also creates great films and they mm-hmm. have an amazing return on them all. All right. All right, so next we got an update for, for a recasting, actually, for Die in a Gunfight. Now, I did not put the nut, but... Alexander Didario and Diego Bonita are going to replace Kaya Scodelario and Joss Hedersen for the movie well, as the two leads. Uh, the, well, actually, the movie is going to be about, you know, 
a man who falls in love for a girl who's who's also his father's names is like Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. And also they announced that a Viking actor who was also the lead in Warcraft movie, Travis Fimmel, he's be, he'll be playing like a a hitman. And also this, this film like is it. actually written by Ant-Man and the Wasp writers. So it could have a lot of comedy in this very mm-hmm. dark setting. Yeah. It's interesting take. I I'm intrigued. I love anything that's like Romeo and Juliet. And also Alexander Daddario, I like her a lot. You know who she is, right? A nano? Can you hear me at all? Yes, I can hear you now. Okay, I don't know what happens. Um, so yeah, you said Travis Fimmel was in Warcraft, right? Yes, he was also in the lead in Viking. Yeah, and he's a great actor. He was, I think, one of the saving graces for Warcraft, which was a good video game movie, but it wasn't what people expected or wanted, totally. Right. Okay, so I was saying, do you know the actress Alexander Daddario? I do. Uh, she's the girl from True Detective Season 1, and she was also played the Rock's daughter, San Andreas. Yeah, so... This is a huge. This is a big cast that will hopefully do great. But I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Olivia Munn is also in the film, but nobody knows who she's playing. Okay. Okay. So now we also got the announced that uh, this was actually more of a confirmation, but Gillian uh, Anderson has been confirmed that she's going to be in the Crown season four as the Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. Now, season three, they have but- already film, filmed it, and it's going to come out, I think, in November, and then the yeah, I think, season four. It's a time jump season, mm-hmm. and I love the crown. It's a guilty, uh, guilty pleasure of mine. So I think it's, bringing... it's a guilty pleasure because everybody loves the show. It's also very slow burn, so it's surprising to hear that a lot of people love it. I mean, my favorite but... actors, my two female uh, favorite actors working in Hollywood are from the Crown. You know, yeah, Lisa Kirby and Claire Foy. Yeah, and they do an outstanding job in the Crown, mm-hmm. but. This is a great get for Margaret Thatcher. Because the last, per- the best big poster of Margaret Thatcher was Mirror Sleep, and she won an Oscar for her performance. Mm-hmm. All right. So there's great success so far for anybody who plays Margaret Thatcher. I mean, they also got the great actors, also Gillian Anderson. Mm-hmm. So next, we yeah. also got two updates on the cast for the boys. Um, they casted two actors from Timeless, uh, Goran Visnik and Claudia Domit. Then we also got um, the Mandalorian casting on uh, Julian Jones. Um, if you don't know, she was in Westworld. Uh, she played uh, the Native American, the love, the love interest. Okay. Remember that episode where he was trying to find his the woman he loved. She's the woman. Yeah, yeah. That was the best episode of season two. Mm-hmm, I agree. And then also now the next casting is involves Byron Mann. Now he's announced that for Arrow season eight, he'll be reprising his role as Yao Fei, the guy who actually whom Oliver meets in the island season one. Yeah, that's so. That means they might have more flashbacks then. Mm-hmm. To, it's also and, the final season; they're bringing a lot of people back. I hope they bring the guy who played Deathstroke back. He was great. He was one of the people I kept watching that show. A lot of people say that he honest. was one of their favorite thing. 
Yeah. He's definitely one of mine. He also yet announced that Banner was also going to be in a Hulu show, Little Fires Everywhere. He'll be playing a lawyer. And you're also good in Wu Assassin, another show I told you about. Yeah, I definitely check this out now if he's since he's showing up in a lot of places. And you also I don't know if you you saw Skyscraper, right? I have not. I mean, the, the film is okay, but he was also good as the detective who's investigating like the attack. Okay. And then we also got a Homecoming season two. Uh, Chris Cooper is joining the cast. He'll be playing a botanist who's more. More you know important for him is like his greenhouse than his you know company. I haven't seen Homecoming yet. I have it on my but still I haven't seen it. But since it's getting a season two, might as well check it out. All right, then. And then we also got the Wheel of Time casting. They announced that the Criminal Minds actor Daniel Henry will be playing uh, the character of Elon Mandragoran. Now this actually. The Wheel of Time. You heard Andrea Rene talk about it because that's one of her favorite books. It's basically it's set in a follows like a, a mage who's Morian who's played by Rosamund Pike who goes on a journey with five young men and women and one of them is like he's supposed to be the prophesied person to be the Dragon Reborn, someone who can either save humanity or destroy it. I want to read these books so badly after hearing Andrea talk about it. And this show is just getting better and better with the casting. Technically, because I have now the first two books. I got them right today. Mm-hmm. All right. I have the, I had the first book sitting on my nightstand. And again, this show is getting bigger and bigger. The fact that you got Rosman back to play the lead. Yeah. And then we also got the Lord of the Ring casting. Uh, Will Porter, the, the actor, you know him from the Maze film, We Are the Millers and The Revenant. He's also he was also in Bandersnatch. He's he's, he's been cast in, in, as one of the leads in Lord of the Ring. There's nothing we don't about the show aspects that I think is going to be a prequel to the events of the Fellowship of the Ring. So is it? So we don't even know if it's after the Hobbit and before Lord of the Rings. They say it's it's set before the events of the Fellowship. That's it. We don't know about the Hobbits. Okay, because there's a lot of history they can explore. But if it's between that time period, then. I mean, I'll still watch it. I love Lord of the Rings, mm. but it's just I'm curious to see what time period they're going to go for. All right, and then we also got um, the, for the final season of Thirteen Reason Why uh, CSI New York and Forrest Gump actor Gary Sins. He's been cast in in the show as a psychiatrist. Have you watched Thirteen I, Reason Why? I have not, and I have zero interest to. Yeah, because this I, show gets a lot of backlash and. Uh, I because it did I just said because I know the first season you received positive but people talk about it because the way they didn't like how they portrayed in suicide and stuff and the next yeah. season two after one it wasn't getting good reviews and people hated and I heard it se- and season three I heard so far is like people are not excited for it either it's actually supposed to be the final season it sounds like it's two seasons too late or three seasons too late to end this but because I think of the book is actually it's supposed to only focus. I've never the business up. It's about him dealing with that with his friends' suicide. I think just one season. That's I think the yeah. book. So this is one of the examples of Netflix getting really greedy and continuing on something that they had no right to, but they saw that it was a huge hit and they want to get more money. All right, and then we also got uh, Riverdale season four. Um, Veda actress. Michelle Prada, she's been cast as a private eye who's been described with a female fatale. 
Have you seen I haven't watched Riverdale yet, but I have it on my the queue. First two seasons. I actually enjoyed them. Three, I've I heard Jeff Ramsey from Achievement Hunter rave about it, and those types of shows, like uh, especially Serena, I love that show, and I definitely want to check out Riverdale. I just haven't had the time to sit down and watch it yet. One of the actors is the kid, you know, from from the from Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. He plays Jughead. Oh yeah. Luke Perry, or uh, one of the Strauss David brothers. Luke Perry, he plays in Archie's dad because he passed okay. away. And they say that there's going to be a tribute for him in this season four. And they brought Shannon Doherty, his co-star from Beverly Hills, nineteen two one zero nine zero two one zero. This show, Beverly Hills, she's going to be mm-hmm. in this show as a tribute for Luke Perry. Okay. Well, great. And then also, the show. I didn't know they're doing a second season at the end of the effing world season two. They announced that they casted Rise of the Skywalker actors Naomi Ek as actually a, an outsider who's actually a friend with the girl Alyssa. And it, it looks like season two is going to be set two years after the event of the first movie where we see, where we see if you remember the first season it ends with we hear them, the police trying to sue the boy James. Yeah, I I kind of wish they left it very open-ended like the way they did. But I think they were the show got they got surprised. It's like we'll see if you can explore. And it looks like they're yeah. exploring They're exploring it two years later, so mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes. It was an interesting show, to say the least. And Neil Druckmann, was, like from the creator director of Last of Us said that the show I think is one of the inspiration for Last of Us Part Two. Interesting. Because he really, he really loves the show. Like I said, I was intrigued by it. it I stuck through it all. It was very weirdly interesting, but it also brings in a lot of great topics of discussion, too. Okay, so this is for the casting news. Now we go to we go quickly now to the release dates where they announced that, that Tom McCarthy, the director of uh, who won Oscar for writing and, and directing, I uh, was it uh, Spotlight, he's working on a thriller with Matt Dimas. They gave it a release date. It's coming out November 60, 2020, limitedly, and then it will expand between November 13 and 20. Then we also got the Tomb Raider with sequel, which they announced is coming out on March 19, 2021. Watchmen, the HBO TV show from Damien Landloff, is going to premiere October 20, and Jack Ryan Season 2, the Amazon show, starring John Kaczynski, is going to premiere on November 1st. Jack Ryan is definitely one of the shows I want to check out. Yeah. I have it on my queue as well. This one and Watchmen. This two I'm more interesting about. Yeah, me too. The fact that I don't know if you know because Watchmen is going to be a sequel to the book, and if you remember the book, I don't know if the ending very well, but Robert Redford, like they're bringing him back from retirement to play the fictional version of himself as the U.S. president. Hmm. Because he, I think he runs for president in the end of Watchmen, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so it's a very interesting premise that I can't wait to see explored. Because Watchmen is a very interesting comic series. And you also got Don Johnson in the film. I mean, did you yeah. show? Sorry. All right, so now we actually do that. I think we're gonna talk about are the trailers. The first one we got is actually the Just Mercy trailer, which stars um, Michael B. Jordan, um, Jamie Foxx, and Brie Larson. And the film is is directed by Dustin. I forgot the actor's director, but he's the guy who's going to direct Sang Shi for Marvel. The rev- apparently, it's been it got shown at the TIFF and it's getting positive reviews. 
so I haven't seen this trailer yet, but the cast sounds outstanding. Mm-hmm. And same for the people backing this film. Mm-hmm. So basically, the plot so. is actually Michael B. Jordan. He's a lawyer. He defend. He's trying to defend uh, Jamie Foxx, who's a man who's a death row inmate who's being accused of a crime he did not commit. He's trying to prove his innocence. Okay. Yeah, I remember hearing something about that. Is it based on a true story? Yes, it's based on a true story. Brie Larson, I think, is playing as someone who's actually assisting Michael B. Jordan with the case. So she's his assistant? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I remember hearing about this story actually happening and the news breaking out. So I... It sounds like a great movie to see. All right. And then we, the second we got Jojo Rabbit, the Taika Waititi film. This is such a weird movie, <laughs> and I'm weirdly intrigued by it, but... The way they they're portraying Hitler is very odd, and funny. It's like but that it's scene. Very... It's like I don't know what to do. Burn the house and blame Winston Churchill. <laughs> yeah, but it's definitely a Taika Waititi film <laughs> through and through. All right, and then next we got the Bad Boys for Life trailer. So I have not seen any Bad Boys movie, and I caught the tail end of this trailer when walking to the theaters today. Uh huh. Also, once you mentioned trailers, you, you went to see it. Did you saw that tra- the trailer for Birds of Prey? I did, and the way they showed it off was very cool. Uh, can you because they about showed it off like I can. Uh-huh. So when it looked like the movie was starting, like they did all the final stuff of turn off your cell phones, be quiet. Then uh, the red balloon started floating up, mm-hmm. and it did the Warner Brothers logo, and then it said DC. And I was thinking to myself, how is DC tied to it? I didn't think that they're doing any comic tie-ins for this. Mm-hmm. But then it, Harley Quinn pop shows up and badmouths Pennywise and says, this isn't the type of clown that I like, pops balloons. And it just goes into action. It was a quick 20-second trailer, mm-hmm. but it looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, the action looks great. It looks funny. And it looks like a great uh, DC movie, which is what DC needs. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the action looks great because I don't know if you saw, but they're bringing in John Wick's director to serve as second unit director for the film, Birds of Prey. Good. He's a great director who did an amazing job on John Wick. Mm-hmm. And I think a Harley Quinn movie, DC movie, needs that type of direction mm-hmm. and choreography. Okay, so, so next we got uh, the Jack Ryan season two trailer. Again, this is one of the shows that I want to check out, and them adding more to the Tom Clancy universe is going to be mm-hmm. really fun, right, especially yeah. with John Krasinski taking that serious role still. Mm-hmm. He's which also he's got that he, Quiet Place season two. He was amazing in a Quiet Place, and it shows that he is much more than Jim Halpern, mm-hmm. and him being in this serious role in Jack Ryan is great for him. All right, and then we also got an. A, this is actually a very interesting trailer. A criminal. This is actually. Did you saw this trailer for Criminal? It's a Netflix show. I have not. So basically, do you know what this is? This is actually. Uh, you saw like there's there are four separate you know series for this show, Criminal, set in different country. Uh, uh, UK, Spain, Germany, and if I'm not mistaken, France. Okay. So apparently each episode is going to focus on the crimes with different a- actors. Because I'm curious to see how it is because it's coming out very soon on Netflix. It just sounds like it's really pulling in that crowd that loves true crimes. 
David Tennant so, and Hilly Atwell from the Tears are actually they showed they are in it in the show. Then I'm in as well. I love David Tennant. Okay. I have not seen your God Omens. I have to check it out. It's good. Mm. It's I like the book and it's very faithful to it. Okay. Alright. And then we also got Between Two Ferns the movie. I can't wait for this. <laughs> I love they killed my, I love my kind of hit. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of wacky comedy with Zach Galifianakis, it's going to be great for a full feature length movie. You, you're going to give me a, a, TV, a TV show on network. I'm a white straight guy and I deserved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like, and also, I just hope that the, I hope the humor does not get too dry in the end or get too stale. And that that's definitely Zach like, Galifianakis thing. He talks to John Hamm, who's like, "How do you feel now with Bradley Cooper now directing? You know, stars that now handsome we just now can now become good directors." <laughs> <laughs> All right, so and then we got uh, the A24 trailer for Waves. So tell me about this one because I also haven't seen it yet. Uh, this one's actually is Tony K. Brown. Sound of it is like he's it'll focus on the relationship of, on, about his, the story of his son. Like he's he's teaching like I think for to be like a wrestler, and then I think his son falls in love with someone. I think there's family they disagree about him falling in love with. And the decision that he does. It's got more family drama. Okay. And, and also, they did not say, they say that from acclaimed director, a person's name, but they didn't say, but this is the director from It Comes at Night. I believe that they didn't say it from the director of It Comes at Night because despite It Comes at Night receiving positive reviews, the response has been, you know, very negative from the public for this film. Mm-hmm. But it's actually a different tone. It's not a horror film, this one. It's more a family drama. Okay. Alright, and then we got Disenchantment Part 2 the trailer from Netflix. I can't wait for this. I loved <laughs> Season 1. I love Matt Groening stuff, especially Futurama. So, Apparently, this show got more. predicted on Futurama, if I'm not mistaken. So, people think that it got alluded to based off the first scenes with Fry going to the future, mm. being frozen. I don't think they confirmed it was in that time. Maybe they did. But... With Futurama and Simpsons, anything's possible. We know that they're okay. great, they have a great track record of predicting things, even for themselves. And Matt Groening might have been plotting out a medieval type show during Futurama too, mm-hmm. just to fill out his repertoire of modern day, future, and past. I mean, but this jam is funny. Episode in Simpsons, if I'm not mistaken. They did, mm. and they did some one-off stuff in Futurama as well. Mm. But Macaroning is great. Disenchantment was a great uh, turn for his career with it being a full series of a continuous storyline. And I love Disenchantment. So bring it on. And my favorite Futurama joke is actually uh, the episode where you have to smell the plant. It's like, don't make me smell your anus. So it's like, the friend's like, what's he talking about? Then the, the doctor, the professor is like, do you change your anus because of the joke? So what's it called now? Your rectum? <laughs> like so many great, like nope so many great jokes in Futurama <laughs> they're so smart like how they created their own formula for the mind changing whenever we got their mind switched <laughs> and also the Watergate episode where the, what was it um, Nixon steals Bender's body it's like where he, oh he's staying at Watergate because they said they get you get a discount if you stayed on that hotel before yeah <laughs> Like, he's so smart with his jokes. 
Okay. Okay. So next we got the black the Black Christmas trailer from Blumhouse. I have not seen this one either. Uh, it's basically you know if you saw like this slasher film, you know have an idea what it is. It's basically okay. college students they get they getting stalked by someone and there's cult in it. The, sh- the trailer was meh. Okay. And then and then lastly we got from HBO because they also just got this Catherine the Great. It's actually a limited yeah. series. It stars uh, Helen Mirren and Jason Clark about the ruler of Catherine the Great, the Russian ruler. Yeah, and again, this is a type of show that HBO I know will do right, especially after seeing Chernobyl and them doing that limited run series. So I love these period pieces, and I can't wait to see this one too. And also, I did not edit. There's the then the trailer for season two of the new Pope. It's actually. It's a separate show from it's. It's not considered season two of the Young Pope, but it's considered more like a separate one than the new Pope. Jude Law's okay. coming back. Okay, great. You see, it's basically the teaser. It's basically his him walking in the beach with nothing. His underwear, and then you see John Malkov is walking with the with the uh, the Catholic crowd. You see him walking on the beach with women out playing volleyball and stuff. Understand? They're staring at him. And the end, you see a woman fainting, and then the title, the new pope. Hmm. It's similar to the opening of the show. You saw how? Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Okay. So I got a second season. Hmm. So anyhow, that's I think I think for today's episode. Uh, thank you very much, guys, for listening. Uh, thank you, Nana, for being in the show. Uh, where can people find you? Do you can find me anywhere at the nanobiologist, or if depending on the character limit, it will be the da nanobiologist. And I'm on Twitter, Xbox, PlayStation, anywhere you can find me as that. All right, then I'm Mr. Yasmin Thiharmid. You can find this on, on Twitter and Instagram, on Twitch and YouTube. So anyhow, thank you guys for listening to this episode. I hope guys, I see you guys on the next one. Bye. <laughs>